Sometimes I could make this whole conversation just stop if I just paused for a moment and said, I'm really sorry, that's not how I meant to say that. But my stubborn self doesn't, off, doesn't as often as I would like allow those words, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way, come out. Happen to anyone else? Few elbows to the person next to you. It happens. You do that, my love, you say. I didn't really mean this. But just fueled by the, the circumstances of life, the things that we've done and said, fueled by everything that's going on around us, I've just responded like this and the words have come tumbling out. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm walking through hard times in life, my responses to other people, and more specifically to my Sarah, aren't always the kind, loving, reasoned response that I would like to say that I always have. Sometimes the circumstances of life, the the interruptions that come, overflow into my relationship with my Sarah. And things get said that I don't always truly mean. In frustration or exhaustion or in the feeling of being overwhelmed by decisions in life, or complete tiredness, my relationships bear the brunt of that pain. Let your relationship, not the circumstances of life, determine your response. Let your love, your devotion, your care for someone else, the commitment to the relationship, determine your response. It's not always uh, easy. I can tell you I don't get it right a lot of the time. But if we let our relationship, our care, our love for someone determine our response more than the circumstances around us, how much better off might we be? Maybe though sometimes you finally take a chance to, to cool off, to stop and consider what's actually been said to mull over the actually the really valid points that the other person said that I've just reacted to. And you come back and you're able to put right, to apologize, to ask for forgiveness and decide and determine, I don't ever want to respond or react like that again. I won't let the circumstances of what someone said, of what someone's done determine my response. But I'll choose love. I'll choose to let my relationship determine my response. Perhaps this year, as you've launched into a new year, work is causing more stress than it should. You'd thought over a good summer break, that would just put everything back at ease again. Or perhaps relationally with your kids or with a work colleague or with your husband or wife, things are a bit strained at the moment. Maybe the idea of working alongside certain people or doing certain aspects of your job, or going back to school and having to face your kids' teachers again, and your kids don't really like their teachers anyway, and I'm the parent and I've got to be growing up and interact, and ah. Whatever the circumstances of life, you've been invited into a relationship with the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Choose to let our love and our relationship with Christ Determine our response to the mountains, to the circumstances, to the unexpected things that we face. You know, it's just been the Christmas season, so we've spent a lot of time talking about the Christmas season. Maybe you've read the Christmas story a number of times. And just for a few moments this morning, I want to look at the life of Mary. 
Now, Mary, we can find in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, when the angel comes to greet her. She's a young woman. She's betrothed to a man, to a lovely man named Joseph. And their world is about to be turned upside down. It's about to be interrupted with the most crazy of circumstances that would alter the trajectory of their life for quite some time. And the angel all of a sudden appears to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And when I read that, I thought, what a way to say hello. (laughs) You know, he was probably quite obviously an angel, but like, hi, my name's Gabriel. Don't, Don't be too worried. It's nice to meet you. I've got a message from God. But he comes in with this massive greeting. Greetings, you who are highly favored. I'm like, at least introduce yourself. But what does it mean, really, to be favored by God? Does it mean that God has favorites? I don't think that's quite what they're saying here. In fact, in Isaiah, from Revelation from God, Isaiah 66, 2 says, These are the ones on whom I look with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at my word. Those who are humble. Those who are contrite, it's to be remorseful and in recognition that we've all done wrong, simply to be repentant and who tremble at my word. This is how Mary lived. This is how she she lived her life long before the angel appeared, before a miraculous conception, before the birth of the Messiah, before God God had done the big noteworthy thing that we all know and remember about her life, before all of that happened, this is how Mary lived. She had found favor with God by living humbly, contrite in spirit and trembling at his word. And I wonder if it's in how she lived in this leading up to this moment that when the circumstances came that were totally unexpected, kind of changed the course of her life, certainly for the next year or so, and then raising the child, the son of God, no pressure, Mary, but just the circumstances of her life drastically changed. But because of the way she lived, she had found favor with God, allowed her to respond to the circumstances. When we meet Mary, the angel could have said to her, Greetings, you who are so busy planning your wedding to Joseph. (laughs) Greetings, you who are working so diligently and respectful of others. How might he, the angel Gabriel, greet you? Greetings, you who are filled with the joy of the Lord. That would be a nice greeting, wouldn't it? Greetings, you who are feeling overwhelmed by the amount of work you've got to do and the year's only just begun. Greetings, you who arrive early to church to set up so that others can worship and engage. Amen. How might the angel greet us? The angel said to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored, you who are humble, you who are contrite in spirit, you who tremble at my word, you, Mary, whom God is going to entrust his son with. Before the circumstances of her life changed forever, before a great interruption in her plans, before packing her hospital bag and making sure she had enough frozen meals in the freezer so she could come home to some great meals, before she'd packed the baby clothes for a trip to Bethlehem, Mary found favor 
with God. This is how she lived. That allowed her response out of relationship with God. How does God find you and how is your relationship with you? Does he find you humble? Which is to show a modest estimate of one's own importance. Often when I think of being humble, I go, oh, well, it means I've got to be nothing so that others look awesome. I've got to constantly put myself down. Any compliments someone might pay me, I've got to shrug that off. It doesn't matter. I don't want to be seen as taking that on. That's not really what true humility is. It's simply keeping in balance our actual importance. Because you, as children of God, you have great value and importance. Jesus went to the cross for you, remember? You have so much value and worth to him that he sent his only son to die for us, to restore relationship with us. That we that were once separated by our choices, Jesus made a way for us. We are of great value. We are of great worth and importance. So remaining humble is not simply to lessen oneself, but to have confidence in who God made you to be. Confidence in the value and worth that you hold as a son and daughter of God, but also recognize that we are just vessels. We are just hands and feet. We are just one small part in the great story of a loving God, restoring a broken humanity to the perfect holiness of God. We are just one small part. Humility is living that God gets the glory. Not what I can do, who I am, but who God is. The guide of our stories, the author of restoration and grace, the one who made a way. It's pointing people to the miracle working power of God and the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for you and I. In every circumstance, in every experience of life, let us remain humble. Keep perspective of our small part to play in this great big story that God is unfolding in our lives and all throughout history. It's in our living, in our everyday, before we do anything noteworthy for God, that we can find favor in his eyes. See, Mary also lived with contrite spirit, which meant she lived Repentance. She lived with an understanding or an awareness of sin separating her from God. And we see just a few verses after Jesus was born. They awaited the, lot, the allotted time, as was the custom. And then they went and presented their sacrifices to God to make right their relationship with him. She understood that stuff kind of just got in the way. And even though she had found favor with God, there was still a process. There was still a, a need to be made right with God. Even while living the humble life, she still knew that our human nature, that we can get sidetracked from the things that really matter. And she lived repentant. She trembled at his word. She knew his word. She read what was the Bible then in different forms, but the Bible. She dwelt on the meaning, considered their purpose, trembled at the weight and significance of it as the very inspired words of God. It's these ways of living that led to Gabriel greeting her as highly favored. 
Greetings, you who live in good relationship with God. Because it's relationship with God. It's out of living a life of humility, of repentance, of, of being in the word of God that allowed Mary a little later on to simply go, let your word to me be fulfilled. To the crazy circumstances of an angel appearing, of being told that you will carry the, birth, the son of God, raise him and that he will be the savior of the world, allowed her to go, I am the Lord's servant. Let your word to me be fulfilled. Out of relationship with God, she let her relationship determine her response to circumstance. As sons and daughters, as children of God, we have relationship with the Savior of humanity. 2 Corinthians says this, 6 verse 18, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. This is our relationship. He will be our father. He'll be our protector, our comforter, wonderful counselor, king, friend, savior, healer. You can fill in the blanks. He is so many things to us, but God is truly someone that we can fully rely on and put our hope and our trust in. So when circumstances come, when experiences appear, when the interruptions of life happen, we can respond... We can lean into our relationship with him. We can trust the God who sent his son to pay the full price for our sin. The full price for our mistakes that had separated us from the holiness of God. Jesus went to the cross. Knowing the circumstances and situations that you and I would walk through, and the choices that we would make along the way, he willingly went to die on a cross for you to make right to redeem our relationship with God. And then he rose again, victorious over death and the grave. The enemy couldn't hold him in the grave, couldn't keep him, but that price, having been completely paid in full, he walked right back out and walked among men and ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father whom he has perfect relationship with as well to prepare us a place. When we believe that Jesus came to pay that price in full for the sin that separates us, that what he did by dying on the cross for us and then when he rose again, leaving that now empty tomb, he demonstrated the full authority given by God. That veil that once separated us from the presence of God was torn in two, top to bottom. Now full access that we are granted. Poured out so we can now live in loving relationship with him. That price paid in full for you. Grace is sufficient. It's not conditional. His love is unconditional. It's not determinant on what you do next. It's because of our humanity because of our imperfectness and our weakness, that Jesus came in the first place. When we accept what he has done for us, when we surrender our plans, his plans for our story, when we invite Jesus to come and be Lord of our lives, when we humbly come to the foot of the cross with gratefulness, that the price was paid in full, 
We now know him as Savior. We live in relationship with our Savior. Jesus came to restore that relationship. Perhaps this morning, you're not in a relationship with God. Or you know that you need to get right again your relationship with him. And perhaps you're going, I don't know how to do that. Well, I love looking back to the Bible because they ask the same question in Acts 16.30. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And so... When we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says in Romans, you will be saved. You will be made right with God. You will now live in relationship with him. We turn from our sin. We turn our attention fully to God. We turn away from our previous life and we focus our attention and our lives on him. We now follow Jesus. As we live humbly, contrite in spirit, as we live trembling at his word, as we've accepted Jesus as our savior, that he paid that price in full, that we now live in relationship with him. Like Mary was able out of relationship with God to say, to these crazy circumstances, let your word to me be fulfilled. Now, I don't know if you're going to have an angel appear to you. I don't think he's going to come and say that you will carry the Son of God like Mary did. Let your relationship with your Savior determine your response to circumstance. You might not always get it right, but keep choosing to trust God. I will respond in love. Respond with grace. Respond in prayer. Respond with thanksgiving. Respond with joy. We might not always get it right, but we keep choosing to trust God. In Mark chapter 14, we meet this man. Many of you will know him, and you'll know him really well. His name is Peter, and Peter was really good friends with Jesus. He hung out with him, and I would say they had quite a good relationship. And this passage is titled, Peter Disowns Jesus. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, something went wrong in this relationship. Chapter 14 of Mark, verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were also with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around him, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them. You're a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man that you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. 
here, Peter, let his surroundings, his circumstances, the relationships or non-relationships that he had with the people around him who were simply watching, who were simply asking questions, determine his response. He chose to let his response of fear, of the reaction of those around him and the people that surrounded him to be one of denial. In fact, he went as far as to completely deny Jesus in front of everybody three times. He chose to let the opinions of others, the potential consequences of his speaking and standing up as a follower of Jesus to say, yep, he's one of my friends, to... to, um, to to let his relationship come second to the reaction of others. The potential consequences of speaking out, standing out, stop him from acknowledging Jesus as his saviour, but also as his friend. We might not always get it right. Peter had great relationship with Jesus and Still got it wrong. Let your relationship with your Savior determine your response to the people and circumstances of life around you. Choose to stand up and be counted. Choose to let your relationship with God, the Savior of the world, the price that he paid in full, not just for you, but for all humanity, shine out. Then when someone says, aren't you with him? You can say, yes. I follow Jesus. Can I invite the band to come and join me again? When circumstances come against us this year, when the hard times come, when walking through the wilderness is hard sometimes, when in hard conversations, when the unexpected happens, we will choose to live lives that recognize Jesus as Savior. We will live lives that give praise to him. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. We won't let the circumstances of life dictate our response. But let your relationship with Christ, your love for him and in thankfulness to him. Speak out as a witness for the new things. For the hope and the joy that you have within you. When we're in conversations with loved ones, with friends, sometimes we respond out of frustration, exhaustion, anger. But if we took a moment to consider the the love and devotion and commitment we've made to those around us, took a moment to take a breath in and realize that we are friends, that we have chosen to be in each other's world, we might respond differently. If we let our relationship determine our response, but we let our relationship with our Savior dictate our response to all people, because this message is for all people. You know, sometimes I can look at Mary's life and I marvel, look back and just recognize just how awesome and brave and courageous and humble and obedient and willing to hear what God's voice was and respond that I am the Lord's servant. I go, wow, Mary, 
You're so much better than I am. God trusted you to carry Jesus. But just as Mary was entrusted with Jesus, you and I also have been entrusted with Jesus. Not to carry him in our womb and raise him, but to carry the message of salvation to our neighbors. The message of hope to our families. The message of a God who paid the ultimate price so that we could live in relationship with him to the world. Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? Let us live like we've been entrusted with Jesus because we have been. The message of salvation for every person, for every tribe and for every tongue, for every age and for every household. The message for all people. This morning, if you're in that place where you don't have a relationship with God and you're going, I really want to get to that place, would this morning as we worship, as we just spend time in prayer, would you just simply respond, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved, the Bible says. And then would you do something really brave and let someone know about it afterwards? Because we would love to welcome you as part of the family of God into that relationship that you've chosen to have. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a book that you can take away and read a bit more. But would you just respond to him so that out of relationship, we can respond to the circumstances, whatever they are in life, good, bad, confusing, hard. Maybe you've followed Jesus for a long time. Would you again say, God, would you remind me that I have been entrusted with this message of hope? Like Mary raised the Son of God, she carried Him. We are also carriers of Jesus, that we can go to our families. Would we go to our families, to our kids down the hall? Would we tell them the good news of a Jesus who loves them, who paid the price for them? In our workplace, would we, would we be bold enough to pray for someone who's maybe not well at the moment? Because we can be bold and courageous out of relationship with Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace, so grateful for the mercy that you poured out on the cross, so grateful for the way of relationship that you made for us. Lord, would you help us to live humbly, aware of our own importance, but continually point people to the person of Jesus. God, would you help us to live repentant, aware of the things we've done wrong, but aware that you've made a way to make them right. And Lord, would you help us to spend time in your word, to love your word, to meditate on it, to write it on the tablets of our heart. And Lord, would you embolden us to go, to take this message, this relationship that we carry to a world that so desperately needs it. Take it to our parents, take it to our siblings, take it to our children, take it to our workplaces, to our schools, to whoever we come in contact with in the circumstances of life. In Jesus' name we pray. We give it all back to you. Have your way in us, Jesus.